Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's Word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grinded Podcast. I just want to say thank you for watching on YouTube. Thank you for being a listener on however you're listening to the podcast. And just want to say thank you for sharing the podcast with your friends, your family, your coworkers, whoever. Uh, because when you share the Grinded Podcast with someone, you give them the opportunity to get to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or be drawn closer to Jesus. And I pray that you yourself are being drawn closer to Christ as well as we go through the book of Acts and we're practically coming to uh, the end of it. Today we're going to be covering uh, Acts chapter 24 and 25 and and we've uh, basically been looking at Paul's testimonies and, and uh, that's what 22 and 23 were and 24 and 25 is going to be pretty much the same thing because Paul has made it to Jerusalem um, just like he's been telling everybody he, he on his third missionary journey when he's going around visiting these churches that he and Barnabas has started and he's saying his goodbyes to to the people there to the elders that that, that are um, uh, overseeing these churches he's saying his goodbyes and he's telling them that um, he's on his way to Jerusalem and, and the Holy Spirit's been warning him that there's going to be some bad stuff happen to him when he gets to Jerusalem and also through the power of the Holy Spirit the people have been warning Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And and a few podcasts ago, I asked the question, you know, why was Paul so determined to go to Jerusalem? Well, we're actually going to uh, find out part of the answer to that as we dig into Acts 24 and 25. But when Paul made it to Jerusalem, he hasn't, he hasn't been there not even a week, just a few days when he is attacked and he's been beaten by some Jews who just assumed that he desecrated the temple by bringing a Gentile into the temple with him, which Paul did not do, by the way. And that angry mob, when they had drugged him out of that temple, an angry mob had just beaten him and beaten him to, and would have beaten him to death, but the Roman army shows up because of the commotion that's going on, and they arrest Paul, and because they arrest Paul, it literally saves his life, and in in chapters 22 and 23, they talk about how they had to lift Paul over their shoulders to get him through the crowd and to the steps of, of the fortress, of maybe the praetorium, where uh, would be a place of safety for him. And as they put him uh, down on the steps, he wants to give his defense uh, or his personal testimony, if you will, to this angry mob that literally just tried to kill him. And so... Um, he gives his testimony to them and then he has to go before a, a council and give his testimony as well and that's what we looked at in Acts 22 and 23 well in in chapters 24 and 25 Paul is going to continue to give his testimony uh, to Felix and uh, Festus and Agrippa King Agrippa and the sad thing is uh, and, and we'll see this in, in, in 26, actually, is that uh, when Paul gives his testimony to Agrippa, uh, Paul, uh, Agrippa says that Paul could have been set free if he hadn't have 
uh, appeal to Caesar. But since Paul has appealed to Caesar, or, or will appeal to Caesar, as we're going to see here in just a few minutes, um, then he has to go before uh, the emperor. Um, and one of the issues that, that, that you'll see is that um, Festus is like, I, I have no idea what to write as uh, charges against this man because he hasn't done anything worth dying for. But yet these Jews just hate Paul and, and, and want him dead. And, and, and that's been his, basically his whole story. Um, because, you know, as they've chased him around from city to city, and they, they, they tried to kill him. And it, it, it's very interesting, uh, you know, as we've been going through the book of Acts and seeing that, because Luke says that Paul has been, uh, he's been put in prison, and he's having to wait for his accusers uh, to show up so they can have this trial. And, and, and he even gives us a time frame, which Luke so often uh, did, uh, he says uh, five days later they show up, and here's who showed up to bring accusations against Paul. Ananias, the high priest, some Jewish elders, and uh, an orator or a lawyer named Tertullus. And, and here's the charges uh, that, that they bring against Paul, and, and they're found in verses 5 through 9 when they say Paul is, number one, he's a troublemaker. And he is constantly stirring up riots among Jews all over the world. And they said he is the ringleader of a cult known as the Nazarenes. And the fourth thing they bring against uh, Paul is they say that he was trying to desecrate the temple uh, when they actually arrested him. So I want you to think about this for a minute. Here's a man, Paul, who was also known as Saul before he changed his name, right? Before he had become a Christian, before he had given his life to Jesus, or before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. He was basically a murderer. He was a troublemaker when he was a Pharisee, when he was literally going from house to house and dragging men and women who followed Jesus, uh, the Nazarene, by the way, Jesus was uh, uh, from Nazarene. And Paul was literally taking these men and women who followed Jesus uh, to prison. And, and we're going to see in, in, uh, in, in some more details about Paul's testimony about his earlier life before he met Jesus. But let me give you a spoiler alert. Paul says that some of these men and women that he had taken out of their homes and, and, and brought them to prison, they were killed. They were literally uh, murdered because they followed Jesus. And, and so that, would, to me, would, makes more sense to say that's when Paul was the troublemaker, but they didn't look at it that way. They're saying now this man is going all over, all over the world and he's telling people about this Nazarene uh, named Jesus and, and, and he's just stirring up trouble everywhere that he goes and riots uh, follow him everywhere he goes. He's just a troublemaker. And we caught him trying to desecrate the temple when he came here to Jerusalem. And, and that's all false because Paul never did bring the Gentile into the temple. And, and he's not the ringleader of the, Nazar, uh, of the Nazarenes. He, he is one person who follows Jesus, who, who was told by Jesus himself, this is God 
the God that these people serve, right? These Jewish leaders, they are supposed to be serving God and pointing people to God. And here's a man who has came face to face with Jesus on the road to Damascus when he was actually a troublemaker, when he was going from house to house and pulling men and women out of their homes, breaking up their families and taking them to prison and where some of them were dying. That's when he was actually a troublemaker. But see, he was under their tutelage then. He was under their direction. He was a Pharisee, a Jew, uh, taught under Gamaliel, and he's under uh, the high priest's uh, authority, and he's been given letters to go to Damascus to uh, arrest even more people who followed Jesus and murder more people who were people of the way. And that's when he was on the road to Damascus is when he met Jesus when that light shined around about him and knocked him off his horse and he had that conversation with Jesus and Jesus said you will go unto the Gentiles and you're going to take my message the gospel message the death burial and resurrection of Jesus to the Gentiles and and this is the whole issue they have with Paul because Paul is out there and he's telling people you don't have to be circumcised anymore and we've talked about this in depth in other podcasts, but it goes back to Genesis 17, that the promise that God made to Abraham, who was who the father of the, of the Jewish people, that they don't. That the, the, the promise was, if you're circumcised, your children are circumcised, then they have a part of me. That's what God told Abraham. This is the covenant I'm making between you and me. And God says, if they choose not to be circumcised, then I don't have anything to do with them. And so here's... The, the issue, the big issue with Paul and the Jews was, Paul's out here telling people, you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Because it's, uh, in, in Colossians chapter 2, he talks about it being a circumcision of the heart. It's not the removal of flesh, but the removal of sin. That, and it only comes through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross and, and the empty tomb. And, 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 and so it is through Jesus that a person is circumcised. That's the message that Paul is telling people, but these Jewish leaders have it all wrong. They're saying that Paul is, is now a troublemaker and he's causing riots everywhere he goes and he's telling people not to follow the law of Moses, which is the, the, the law that God gave to Moses, and that's not what Paul is doing at all. Paul knows the law like the back of his hand since he was schooled under Gamaliel and since he was a Pharisee and since he, he was a, a Jew. And so they, they just, they have it all wrong. And, 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 and so what ends up happening here is, is they'll come and they'll give their accusations against Paul. And then Paul gets to turn around and, and give his defense. And so when we come back from break, we're going to look at the response that Paul gives uh, to Felix in his defense. And we'll be right back. Has someone hurt you so bad that you breathe fire every time that you think about them and what they've done? Well, holding on to that hurt is not good, and it's not doing you any good whatsoever. In fact, it's doing your body harm. That pain that you're feeling, that anger that you're feeling, all those emotions that you are dealing with, they don't care. They are out there living their life. They don't even know that, that you're in your bedroom or wherever you're at stewing over uh, this thing that's happened maybe years down the road. Uh, it's like a poison to your soul, and we need to let it go. You need to let it go and give it to God. 
uh, I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 13, the whole chapter, but here's some highlights about love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. And it, love does not keep a record of being wronged. Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. And Jesus is our greatest example of love. The guy ne never did anything wrong. All he ever did was help people, and yet he was beaten to a pulp, nailed to a cross like a criminal. He struggled to breathe for six hours while his flesh had been ripped off his back and is rubbing up against that tree, that cross, and he's trying to breathe for six hours. And then his last words were, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. There is nothing that we can go through in this life that compares to what Jesus did and what he went through on the cross. Ask God, ask Jesus to help you to let go of that hurt, to let go of that pain, and you'll be free from whatever binds you. Life will never be the same. In Jesus' name. So, the the Jewish leaders have come over to Caesarea and uh, their their Felix is over, uh, overseeing this uh, hearing and they bring these accusations against Paul and so Paul is given the chance to answer his accusers and their charges um, and here's what Paul says in verses 10 through 21 he says it says, Luke says, the governor then motioned for Paul to speak, and Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. These men cannot prove the things that they accuse me of doing. But I admit that I follow the way, because that's what Jesus was called before they were called Christians at Antioch. They were known as people of the way. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right, And so they were known as people of the way. And so Paul says, I do admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. So he's saying, look, I believe everything that, that they should be believing. They know all about the law, and they, they know everything that the prophets wrote. That's what they study. That's what they're supposed to be teaching people. Paul says in verse 15, I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. That, that's a good thing to do. Paul says, I know that one day God is going to resurrect the righteous and the unrighteous, and there's a judgment coming. And since I know that I've got to stand before God one day and give an account of my life, and I'm going to be judged whether I go to heaven or I go to hell, 
Paul says, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all the people. That's a great lesson right there for us. Because when you know, it, it's easy to go and do our own thing and live the life that, that we wanted to live and do the things that we want to do and sin. But when we, and it's easy to do that when we're not thinking about God, when we're not thinking about what Jesus has done on the cross, or the resurrection, we're, when we're not thinking about the consequences, knowing that one day we're going to stand before God and be judged for how we've lived our life. And but when when we do think about that, we it's like okay, if I'm going to be standing before God and I want to be with God for eternity, then I better do what God says. I better live the way God wants me to live. And that's basically what Paul is saying here. He said, when I think of God uh, raising both the righteous and the unrighteous. I, I just try to maintain a clear conscience before God, and not only before God, but before all people. And and you hear people say this all the time, you know, live by the truth. Speak the truth, because when you speak the truth and you live by the truth, you don't have to worry about the past. You don't have to worry about what you've done. You don't have to lie and keep, cover, you know, when somebody lies, they just have to keep lying to cover up the other lies, and then all of a sudden their stories get twisted and get all messed up but when you're telling the truth you don't have to worry about all that stuff and that that's basically what paul's saying here he says i always try to maintain a clear conscience before god but not only before god because that's really who all that's the only one that matters but he said i try to keep a clear conscience before all people and he says in verse 17 he says after several years away he's saying i left jerusalem for a long time he said, I returned to Jerusalem. Watch it. Here's the answer, part of the answer to why Paul was so um, set on getting to Jerusalem. He says, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. So one of the reasons that Paul uh, was just dead set on getting to Jerusalem is because if you remember a few chapters back, several chapters back, Agabus came and, and prophesied about uh, uh, this um, uh, drought that was coming, a famine would be coming. And so Paul was going around to these Gentile churches that he had started, he and Barnabas had started, and they were taking up a collection. And when he got uh, uh, through taking up the collection, he was going to travel back to Jerusalem and help the church that was uh, being affected by this famine. He was going to take them the money. And so that's one of the reasons why he wanted to get to Jerusalem because he had this money that he had been collecting from the other churches, the Gentile churches, and he wants to give them some aid from this famine. And so he says, I returned to Jerusalem with money to aid my people and to offer sacrifices to God. And, and here's what happens. In verse 18, he says, My accusers saw me in the temple as I was completing a purification ceremony. And that was when uh, the, the uh, this was the apostles' plan. When he got to Jerusalem, and they had talked about what God had been doing in the, the lives of the Gentiles and what God had been doing in the lives of the Jews there in Jerusalem. And they had all their excitement and stuff. The apostles told Paul to come up with this, uh, to go along with these guys who were completing the ceremony because they said the Jews think that you uh, are, are telling people not to follow the law of Moses. He said, they said, but if you would go and do this, uh, this ceremony with these guys, they'll see that you are keeping the law. But Paul never got the opportunity because he didn't get to finish uh, uh, the purification process. These 
these Jews saw him in the temple as he was completing the, 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 the purification ceremony. He says, there was no crowd around me and no rioting, but some Jews from the province of Asia were there and they, they ought to be here and they ought to be here bringing the charges if they have anything against me. And he says, ask these men here what crime the Jewish high council found me guilty of, except for the one time I shouted, I am on trial before you today because I believe in the resurrection of the dead. And see, Paul says, I haven't done anything wrong. And so Felix ends up adjourning uh, the hearing until this guy named Lysias could be there, who was the leader of the garrison. And, and uh, he wanted Lysias to be there for, uh, to hear what Paul was saying. And so he could help make a decision. And so Paul is ordered to stay in custody, but he's given freedom. And so his friends are allowed to visit him while he is there in prison. Now, according to Luke, Felix knows a lot about the way or he knows a lot about Jesus. And so his curiosity gets the best of him. And Felix, along with his wife, they keep visiting Paul over and over again. And Paul uses it as an opportunity to try to convert Felix and his wife to Jesus. But what Felix had in mind was money. For Felix, uh, uh, Luke talks about Felix wanting Paul to give him a bribe so that he would set him free. And Luke even says that this goes on for two years, that Felix would keep coming to Paul. And Paul's thinking, hey, he wants me to tell him more about Jesus. And so I'm going to keep telling about Jesus. But what Felix really wanted was a bribe. And I thought about uh, when I was uh, uh, reading this chapter to make this podcast, I thought about it back in 1994, I went to uh, Mexico way down uh, into the Sierra Madre Mountains. We were 8,000 feet up in the Sierra Madre Mountains in old Mexico. And uh, I remember when we were still in the United States and we'd come up to the border, it was, we had a bus with 52 people, 54 people on the bus, and there were seven vans. And I remember uh, we stopped at the border and this soldier, this Mexican soldier with a machine gun, got on our bus and he walked through our bus and he was just looking at everybody and he'd look around for a minute. And, and all I could think was, this dude could pull the trigger on this machine gun and just wipe out all 52 of us on this bus in a matter of seconds. And uh, he walked to the back of the bus, and when he turned around, our preacher was standing there with a wad of pesos, Mexican money. I mean, it was so big, he could barely put his hands around this big wad of pesos, and he gives it to that soldier. And the soldier takes that, that big wad of pesos and puts it in his coat pocket, and he walks off the bus and he gives us a signal to, to come on across the border. You see, our preacher bribed this soldier into letting us go. And, that, and I'm sure that's what the soldier was hoping for to begin with. And so he got a, a, a wad of cash, uh, Mexican money, the pesos. And so uh, we bribed him to uh, allow us into the country and and you know and when we got across the border it was just a, the weirdest thing to see all these soldiers in the back of these trucks carrying machine guns and it was just a whole new world and um and but that's what i thought about because that's what uh felix was wanting from paul was a bribe but he never got it paul uh, never even offered to give him any kind of money and then uh we get to chapter 25 and what happens uh, in, in chapter 25 uh, was Felix uh, 
leaves office. A guy named Festus uh, is now uh, taking over this area. And uh, the Jews want Festus to transfer Paul from Caesarea to, uh, to Jerusalem. But the reason why they want him to transfer is because they're going to ambush Paul uh, when, when he is on his way to Jerusalem and kill him. And, and, but that, uh, Festus says, no, that's not going to happen. Paul says, uh, well, actually it was Paul in verses 10 through 12. He says, I, I, he says, this is the official Roman court. I'm not going to Jerusalem. I ought to be tried right here. He says, you know very well I am not guilty of harming Jews. And if I've done something worthy of death, I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, no one has a right to turn me over to these men to kill me. And he says, I appeal to Caesar. And Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, Very well, you have appealed to Caesar, and to Caesar you will go. And that's when Agrippa comes into the picture. Agrippa and his sister show up because uh, they want to congratulate Festus on his, on, uh, his new position uh, there in Caesarea. And Festus explains to Agrippa the situation he is, that, he, that he has going on with Paul. And listen to how he describes the situation in verses 17 through 22. He says, when his accusers came here for the trial, this is Festus talking to Agrippa. He says, when his accusers came here for the trial, I didn't delay. I called the case the very next day and ordered Paul brought in, but the accusations made against him weren't any of the crimes I expected. He had done anything. Instead, it was something about their religion. And listen to this. Some dead man named Jesus, who Paul insists is alive. I was, a, uh, I was at a loss to know how to investigate these things, so I asked him whether he would uh, be willing to stand trial on these charges in Jerusalem. But Paul appealed to have his case decided by the emperor. So I ordered that he be held in custody until I could arrange to send him to Caesar. And I'd like to hear, and Agrippa says, I'd like to hear the man for myself. And Festus re replied, you will, tomorrow. And that's what uh, is, chapter 26 is going to be about. Uh, Agrippa listening to Paul's defense and his testimony. And so the problem for Festus is that Paul has appealed to Caesar. And, and like I said at the beginning of the podcast, Paul hasn't done anything worth dying for. And Festus is, is telling Agrippa, I don't have any idea what to write to the emperor to explain to him why I'm sending this case to him. And so uh, in chapter 26, when Paul is talking to Agrippa, Agrippa is listening intently because he's trying to figure out a way that they can write these accusations to send Paul to Caesar with the accusations. Uh, but one thing that Agrippa is going to tell Paul in chapter 26 is that if you hadn't appealed to Caesar, I could have set you free today. But now that you've appealed to Caesar, you must go to Caesar. Well, why did Paul appeal to Caesar? Because he was afraid they were going to turn him over to these Jews, these Jewish leaders in Jerusalem, who would have him killed before he ever made it to Jerusalem. But I want to end the podcast with this, with this thought. What we see in these trials, and Paul giving his defense, giving his personal testimony, is, is just how Jesus can take a person, no matter what they've done in life, no matter you fill in the blank with whatever sin that they have committed, including murder. Paul self-admits, and you'll see this when he's giving his defense to 
uh, Agrippa in chapter 26, that these men and women that he had taken out of their homes and brought them into prison were dying for their faith in Jesus. So he, he literally had blood on his hands. He was guilty of murder. And Jesus turned his life around for the good. And, and, and he made him uh, an ambassador for Jesus, for the gospel, for the kingdom of God to the Gentiles. So Jesus can take anybody, no matter what you have done, no matter what I've done, you fill in the blank with whatever, Jesus can take a person and give their life new meaning. Jesus can give your life a new purpose. And see, people think all the time, well, God can never love me. God can never save me. I, I'm just not good enough or I, I've done something that's just way too bad. But, but I just, I beg you to, to take a look at Paul and what he has done. And if God can change a man like Paul, he can absolutely change you and he will change you if you let him and, he, and and there's a song that we sing sometimes it's called from the inside out and that's it's not you, you, you people think well i got to get my life right before i come to god you'll never ever get your life right romans three twenty three says we have all sinned and all fallen short of the glory of god even though a person is washing the blood of jesus christ does not mean that they're never going to sin again we sin we're human we, we do dumb things. We make bad choices. Uh, we make bad decisions. We sin on a daily basis. But the, the difference between an unsaved Christian or an unsaved sinner and a saved sinner is that our sins are washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and our goal is not to sin. So we strive every day, like Paul says, I die daily. And so uh, we strive to live a clean conscience before God and before all people, like Paul said at the beginning of this chapter in his testimony before Felix. But the only way we can do that is to be washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, for our sins to be forgiven, to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that God be living and dwelling inside of us, leading us and guiding us. And we have put on His will and, and put away our own selfish desires and our own selfish will. And so if you've never done that, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I pray that you would do that today. And if you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, I pray that you find a Christian today and tell them that you would love to be baptized for the remission of your sins. And I'm sure that they would love to do that. They would, would, would find a pool of water somewhere and baptize you, whether it be a river or a lake or a, a pond or a creek or a swimming pool, hot tub, whatever. Um, but the purpose, the, the, the main goal is, is for you to give your life to Jesus Christ and that your sins can be washed away and that God will give you a new meaning, a new purpose in life, and that's to live for Him and, and to tell other people about what He has done in your life. God bless you. Keep grinding and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Grinded Podcast today. May God bless you. If you have any comments or questions, you can email them to us at thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like Randy to come and speak at your church or your next event, you can contact him through that same email address. Also, I would like to thank Jody Foster's Army, also known as JFA, 
for their song, Abba, as we use for our intro and our outro off their untitled 1984 album. May God bless you, and remember, keep your eyes on Jesus and keep grinding.